0: Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit FoundationCitrusHeights.com. Good morning, good morning, and good morning. If I missed anybody, good morning. You know, when Pastor Greg asked me if I'd preach today, now we're going through the book of Acts. And so when you go through a book, you go from verse 1 to verse 26, to verse 1, chapter 2, verse whatever it is, and you go through. And if Greg had asked me, hey, uh, would you be willing to preach on the 21st of May? And he said, pick any topic you want. i go, yeah, great, I'd be happy to. I would have not picked this passage. <laughs> I don't know how many people know about Matthias. And we get the clicker here. And so anyway, I had some decisions. That's a key word, decisions. I had some decisions made. But a little story. When I was living down south in this little small town, Calipatria, the church we went there, and I got to preach there too. And, and so I had fun. I love having fun preaching. If I have fun, everyone else is going to have fun. And I dressed up as St. Peter, and I gave my testimony in the first person. By the way, Peter does wear glasses, just to let you know that. And, and so I had fun. And afterwards, we had a refreshment time, as one lady, sweet lady, she comes up to me and says, Pastor, that was so good. It'd be so good if you gave a testimony for all the 12 disciples. I go, wait, yeah, I'm thinking, Judas. <laughs> Do I stand up there before or after the death of Judas give my testimony about how I blew it? I don't think I want to go there. But I thought about the 12 disciples, and I actually got my curiosity going, so I looked at all the other disciples. There's a lot of the disciples, you know very little about them. I didn't even consider number 13, who replaced Judas. And as we look here in Acts chapter 1, we still know nothing about him, almost nothing. We know a little bit, but was did he talk? He doesn't say anything. But we find a lot about this story. But it's more the story about learning. It's more the story than learning about Matthias. It's how they selected. How do you turn this thing on? Well, we're going to stay on one topic, the first slide, all day. Uh, There we go. Decision making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another decision. So anyway. The disciples had to do some decision-making. So anyway, I went through and doing this preparation. I looked up, so I Googled. googled a friend of mine, by the way. Very informative. Not always good information, but very informative. And, and I looked up the steps for decision-making. Well, I found some person had decision-making three steps, five steps, seven steps, 12 steps. I go, great, a 12-step sermon. If I gave you a 12 steps on decision-making and you asked me after the sermon, what were the 12 steps? I go, uh... So how can I remember, how I expect you to remember 12 steps, I can't remember my own sermon. Now when my wife, I tell my wife, I'm going to go to Costco, she says, great, can you pick up some milk and eggs? Sure. Can you also pick up some bread? I'm going, send me a list. <laughs> Three items or more, I need a reminder. Well, we still have six points here to biblical decision making, but this is based upon nothing I found on Google, it's based upon what I found in this text. And the, two of the points are easy because they're repeated. And we're going to go through the steps that the disciples went through in picking Messiahs. First, there was prayer. And I want to talk about prayer. I never thought about prayer in a way that I did when I started to study this passage. Uh, recognize the problem, search the scriptures, choose options, pray. Again go back to prayer. And then trust God. And so in Acts 1:4. Now I'm supposed to be starting. Uh, later on in Acts, uh, what, what chapter? What verse is that? <laughs> Twelve. But going back to Acts one four, the Lord tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. There's a command from the Lord: wait. Now, sometimes we don't want to wait. We want to do things. We want to go places. We want to be somewhere. We don't want to wait. Wait is sometimes a hard thing to do, but He says wait. And so in Acts nine. In Acts 1, 9 through 11, this passage cracks me up. That's the ascension. And you know, Greg preached on last week. But that's the ascension. That's where the disciples are there, and Christ is taken from them, and they're going, Wow. And the angel appears and said, What are you look up to heaven for? But well, what would you do if you're talking to someone who <laughs> Where'd he go? There's a cloud. He's behind the cloud. You know what are they going to do? That's what I would do. And the eight angels are saying, why are you looking to heaven for? He's going to come back. But also, he said, We're in Jerusalem because in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Now back in John chapter 20, Christ said, he breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So if the Lord breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit, you got the Holy Spirit. So what's going to happen in Acts chapter 2? They're going to get more of the Holy Spirit. Now, is it possible for you to receive the Holy Spirit and then you find out you need more of God? Me all the time? Because it's easy to stray away. I hate to admit, it, but I'm human. You know, I like to be like God, but I'm not God. I, I do. I'm not all in present, I'm not all-knowing. Uh, there's a lot of things that I'm not. And the one thing is, I need, always need more of God. And they really got more of God in Acts chapter two. But here um, in Acts chapter 1-11 um, I went ahead a little bit they are in an in-between period because the Lord is there with them, they're walking with the Lord for three years, they see him crucified he gets resurrected they're walking with him after his resurrection and so wow, they're really walking with God, so if they have any questions hey Jesus, I've got a question for you or can you help me Lord, or whatever he was always right there and then he leaves them, and they're like, where's Jesus? But the Holy Spirit's coming in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit hasn't come on Pentecost yet. We're in that in-between point where Lord's not there to talk to physically, and his Holy Spirit hasn't come to indwell us yet, and we're in a quandary. And so, okay, here's a passage where the angel said, you know, um, why are you staying there staring in heaven? Jesus has been taken from you, but he, someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw them go. Okay, we, I talked about that already. Right? But then, then the disciples, verse 12, returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. That's the, and you can tell by the Dome of the Rock, that wasn't, the picture wasn't taken 2,000 years ago. But they still have olive trees there on the Mount of Olives. It's a very short distance over to Jerusalem. And, you know, they, it's, it's amazing just to be there. But that's where they were with that spot there, that general area. And so the short distance back, and, the, uh, and this is the New Living Translation. It said they went back to the Mount of, from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. In other translations, it says a Sabbath-day journey. Now, a Sabbath-day journey is, you look in the Old Testament, they were, they were not supposed to travel very far, basically about a half mile. They weren't supposed to very, travel very far from their home. Now, you can, I have a friend, I have some friends who are, I have a rabbi friend. Hasidic rabbi, Worth black, Yamakal, the whole works, and, and really good, good friendship with this guy. But one thing I learned from him, some things that they do, is if I have a glass of water, and I want to travel three-fourths of a mile on the Sabbath, and I can only go half a mile, the day before, I put something I own. So the next day, if I have to go that distance, I'm going within a half mile of my home. My home is wherever it's something I have that I own. And so now I can actually walk a, 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 a more than like a mile. So <laughs> that's not really significant to this message. Just so I just had to throw that in there for the fun of it. But it was a step-of-state journey. And so they returned back to Jerusalem. They were doing what they were told to do, to stay in Jerusalem. It's always good to be obedient. And so when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying, Well, the upper room. That's where, they, that's where Jesus taught them. That's where Jesus had the Last Supper. That's where he washed their feet. That's where Jesus met with them in, after the resurrection. That's where uh, Thomas said, my Lord and my God, because Thomas saying, I won't believe it. And the Lord says, here, touch my side. Here's my wounds." He says, my Lord, my God. A lot happens in that upper room. Well, they go back to the upper room again. They had a place to go to. And so, but the names, it says in Acts 13, it says, here are the names of those who are present. And it gives 11 of the 12 disciples, the, the, the bottom just Judas Iscariot, that's not in the Bible. I put that to my, myself with the cross out to emphasize he was gone. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. Memorize that, we're going to have a test after church. Um, also, there were Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. And that kind of jumped over part of verse 14 they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. They were united. And in another passage says, one accord. When I started the prison ministry before I became a chaplain, by the way, some of you know, I'm, I, I talk about being a chaplain. I was a prison chaplain for 21 years at Calipatria. I work at headquarters, Department of Corrections, now over the religious program. So, but before I started there, we had a prison ministry, and I never picked a name. And I, people call it the Charles Ritchie ministry. Well, it's not about Charles Ritchie. It's about the Lord. I don't want to be about me. And so I said, hey guys, help me come up. I can't come up with a name. And someone said, that's called the One Accord Prison Ministry. That's what we called it. And it continued on in one accord after I left and went down to Calipat. So, but here, these are not disciples who are always together in one accord. Peter, he denied Jesus. James and John, remember they're saying, hey Jesus, we'd like to. Have it to where, or the mom says, you would like to have it to where one sits on the right one sits on the left in your kingdom? But well, how does that make the other ten disciples feel? <laughs> yeah, right. You're, you're, you're trying to get in the position of power. Thomas, yeah, right. I doubt that Thomas did much. Um, Matthew was a tax collector. Okay, it's not bad. It's a nice job if you want to work for the government. But Simon the Zealot, who wanted to overthrow Rome, I don't think he and Matthew probably were the best of friends. It'd be, you get a radical left and a radical right. Talk about politics, but I won't say parties, okay? Um, and also the brothers of Jesus, James and June, Jude, were, they mentioned in their books their bond service beforehand. We see back in John 14, there's a couple other brothers there they had, and they did not, they did not really believe in Jesus. You had to come a break, though. Can you imagine growing up with the Messiah as your brother? Every time you mess up, hey, why can't you be more like Jesus? All their life, why can't you be more like Jesus? Shut up. (laughs) And so they weren't always together in one accord. But here, after the Lord was crucified, he was resurrected, he went up to heaven... They're there in one accord. Now, you look around our world today, our world is not in one accord. We want to start talking about politics, we want to talk about race, we want to talk about economics, we want to talk about homelessness, we want to talk about all this inequality. And it doesn't matter what race you are, it doesn't matter what religion you are, what nationality you are, your race, your nationality, your religion has baggage. Everybody has done wrong to somebody in history. It's terrible, but we, and we look around the world today. It's absolutely terrible. Well, going back to my working at the prison, you don't want to find a place that's racist. It's a prison. You watch black and white and red all over a prison gang riot. Um, there's a little joke there. I'm sorry, uh, people in prison know about that joke. Um, and and so we have we we, we inmates will segregate the blacks with the blacks, the whites with the whites, the Hispanics with the Hispanics, the Asians with the Asians, they hang out together. And the, a lot of our, our religious groups, the Buddhists are Asian. The Muslims in the Middle East are Arab, the Muslims in prison tend to be black. Um, you, you know, and you get that kind of stuff. The Native Americans, guess what, they're Native American. And um, so even our re- religious groups are racial the Christian services, they're interracial. And there's one day I had an associate director. I'm, I'm talking about Sacramento. We're here in Sacramento. But I was down way down south. People from Sacramento, they flew a distance to get there. The associate director was walking around on a Saturday. He walks in the chapel service. He comes out and says, all these races are together, worshiping. And I heard him say it two or three or four times. He was totally blown away, amazed that all these races stood together. You walk in the chapel service, you see the blacks and the Hespans, the whites, the Asians, worshiping God together. Well, these disciples, apostles, were not focused anymore on the fact that you're a zealot or you're a tax collector or you denied Christ or, or any of that stuff. They're focusing on Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus, we change the whole perspective. And also when we focus on Jesus, we start looking at people the way Jesus looks at people. And every person is created in the image of God. And so, how can I hate this guy if Christ died on the cross for him? How can I hate this lady if Christ created her in his image? And so we start seeing people in a totally different perspective and the love of God. And so they were there in one accord. So during this time, about 120 believers were together in one place. And Peter stood up and addressed them. This is the same guy that just said, you know, I don't know the man. You see the change that Christ did in his life? Because he said, yeah, he'll say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll always be with you. And then he's like, skips out, and like, I don't know who he is. And, and Christ had worked with him and he becomes the natural leader. Every group's gonna have a leader. If you have a plane that crashes on a desert island and the survivors are there, they don't know anybody, and there's no help coming, one person's gonna become the leader. It's just natural, it's the way people work, they always have a leader. He became the natural leader of this group. And so, but Peter stands up, he addresses them. Now, he says, during this time, there's about 120 believers together in that place. Uh, Some people think that was the upper room. I'm not sure the upper room would fit 120 people. doesn't really matter. They were there. They were there there together somewhere. And so Peter addresses them. He says, brothers, he said, the scripture had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. You know, all the times we hear Peter talk throughout the Gospels, he never, ever quoted Scripture. Not only did he not stop denying Christ, betraying him in that regard, he's now committed to Christ, and he's also quoting Scripture. And the more we know Scripture, the more we have Scripture guide our lives. And remember, this is also a time between the time when Christ ascended into heaven before the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 2. And so maybe you don't feel totally close to God. Maybe you don't feel like you have the fullness, the whole fullness of God. You still have Scripture. Rely upon the Scripture because the Scripture is the Word of God. And so if you feel like doing something and it's contradictory to Scripture, don't do it. It's really important we know Scripture. And so he quoted Scripture. Now, a, he goes on and it says Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery, falling head first there, his body split open, spilling out of his intestines. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place an Aramaic name, being filled, filled with blood. Okay. You know how sometimes he'll say, and everyone said, amen? Well, in this case, and everybody said, yuck. (laughs) You know, when I put these pictures on there, I I Google through. Here's Google again. I try to find pictures, and I was thinking, do I put a picture of Judas hanging from the tree? Do I put a picture of him with his guts still out? I'm going, ugh, yuck. So I I decided to put a picture of a a noose, just to kind of drill the dollar point that he died. But I decided not to gross you guys out. But the scripture is pretty, pretty uh, descriptive. But Peter continued, it's written in the book of Psalms, let his home become desolate with no one living in it. And also in Psalms, let someone else take his position. They had a decision to make. They said that we need to replace. Why do they need to replace Judas? When James passed on, he got they didn't go say, we got to replace James. When the other disciples, apostles, passed on, we didn't re- re- replace him. They said we had to replace Judas. Well, I'm not really into numerology. I really don't understand all these things about numbers. But I know that 12 is a significant number in the Bible. There's 12 tribes. There's 12 disciples. There's, uh, 12 is supposed to be the number of completion. And so Christ needed it was going to have 12 disciples. And so Satan comes off and knocks off one of them. Now it's Christ and his 11 disciples. Now does Satan have, did he get some victory? Did he say, well, I knocked one of them off? They said we have to fill that position. Now when James died, they replaced him, but he died an honorable death. He died as a martyr, serving the Lord. All the other disciples, apostles, died honoring God. They're either martyred or, in the case of John, lived to be an old age. The Isle of Patmos but they had to replace Judas so let someone else take his position so now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection now what scripture do they pull this from? They didn't. How did Peter come up with that criteria? I will call it divine common sense. Sometimes we just need good old divine common sense. Because that only applies to one person. It's in the scripture now. It's in Acts chapter 1. But it's, it's okay, we need someone as an apostle. Because all the apostles walked with Jesus the whole time. So we need someone who was there when he was baptized, was there when he was crucified, who was there when he ascended. He needs to be one of us. And going back to the 120 disciples, we think of Jesus with 12 disciples. He had a lot of disciples. If we see we had, he had 120. In fact, we see that Christ sent out the 70. One passage is 70, another passage is 72. Um, was it 70 or 72? Doesn't matter. He sent them out. He had a lot of disciples. And so, in fact, that's probably one of the reasons... The Romans and the Jewish hierarchy were concerned because there's a lot of people who were walking around who are not part of the system, but you know, they have a small little band of people walking around, but this guy's walking around the a large band of people. If, they, if Jesus and his people decide to take up arms, we're in trouble because they got a real, 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 a real riot. And so um, they were concerned about him, but they, they had to replace Judas because... They were supposed to have, he's supposed to have 12 disciples. The replacement was, here's the qualification that we just talked about, but I'm going to go over it again. The replacement was with Jesus from the time of Jesus' baptism. They need someone who is there, who can be one of them. And uh, I already talked about the 72 disciples. And also, we know that whoever they picked. There it says in this, this cracks me up. John six sixty six. Some of you are chuckling. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They did did not. I'm forget the little parenthesis. I don't know why I was typing. I put that in there. And forget that. They they did, Oh yeah, okay. He did not desert them. You know, John six sixty six. Six sixty six. They left him a lot of them are saying, okay, I want to follow Jesus when things are going good. I mean, he fed the 5,000 and got some good loaves of bread. I've seen seen him heal some people, but he's starting to say some radical things. I'm not sure if I want to hang around this Jesus. He's radical. He's different. And sometimes people may treat us like, oh, are you a Christian? Do you really believe that stuff? Do you really believe that that God created Adam and Eve that we didn't evolve? And so, you know, we, we a lot of people were turning away. And so the person they're going to select had to be one of the people that stuck around. When Christ turned his disciples, the whole disciple, are you going to leave me too? but well, there's some other people there who also decided not to leave, and so they, they're going to pick one of those. He was present at the ascension, and he, and he was to be a, a witness of the resurrection. Now... We don't have apostles today like back then. We have some people who call themselves apostles. We have an apostolic church. Uh, we have things like that. But we don't have people today that was there when Christ was baptized and who, when Christ ascended into heaven. Anyone here that was? I'm not raising my hand either. So, um, so, but at the same time, we need to have the resurrection of the Lord in our lives for us to be qualified. But I'll get into that a little bit later. Now, I got a quiz. The qualifications for the apostle to replace Judas. Which of the following qualifications is expected to replace the apostle? This is going to be a a quiz. Faithfully walked with Jesus. How many say yes? Okay. I'm not going to ask for the rest of them. He had to have dynamic sermons. Okay. He had to be compassionate. Well, it's good he's compassionate, but was that a requirement? didn't say so. Um, He had to be a generous giver. Popular. He had to be funny. (laughs) Okay, here's the answer. Faithfully walk with Jesus. Now, the other things are good. But if you have all the other qualities, you're a dynamic preacher, you're compassionate, you're a generous giver, you're popular, and you're funny, but you don't walk with Jesus, you're worthless. They, the qualification was he had to faithfully walk with Jesus. Now, um, if you got the answer right, there are refreshments afterwards. <laughs> you funny. <laughs> and if you did get the answer right, don't tell anybody, the refreshments are still available, okay? <laughs> so, they nominated two men. Out of 120, they nominated two men. And one was Joseph called Barsabbas. Not Barabbas, but Barsabbas. They're two totally different people. um, Also known as Justice and then Matthias. And so we have more of a description for the other guy than we do about Matthias. Matthias only had one name. The other one had Joseph, uh, three names. Joseph called Barsabbas also known as Justice. So we know three times more about that guy than we do about Matthias. And then they all prayed. Now they prayed earlier already. Now one thing about you know, the, when they prayed, well, sometimes we, when we teach our kids to pray, now nah, I lay me down to sleep, I lay, pray the Lord, the Lord, my soul to keep. Or when you're in college, now nah, I lay me down to rest, I pray the Lord, I pass a test. Should I die before I wake? That's one of the tests I have to take. Um, but memorized prayers are good for teaching kids. But these guys were not saying memorized prayers because they were praying to someone who they physically walked with. And so I can imagine my they prayer might have been, hey, Jesus, remember that kid that brought the five loaves and two fishes? I saw him the other day. He's a teenager now. He's still giving food out to everybody. Hey, Jesus, remember the, the, the lepers he healed, the one leper, the Samaritan? I saw him. You know what? He's still going down ministering to lepers even though he's been cured. He's, he, they talk to Jesus because they know Jesus. And sometimes when people go to the graveyard of a loved one, and they see their loved ones' grave, even though the person is gone, they still talk to them. Why? Because they knew them. They spent their whole life with them. Well, here they spent their whole life with Jesus. The only difference is between going, talking to Jesus and talking to the person who's laying in the grave is that Jesus is alive. And and so when they prayed, they knew that he was listening and that he's real. And and they said, Show us which of these men you have chosen. We don't want to choose, Lord, and pick the wrong person. Show us which of these two you have chosen. They're saying, "Oh, Lord, you know every heart, but show us. As an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone to where he belongs. Show us which one you have chosen. When we had the uh, minister's meeting here, the warm convention meeting, we had different ministers in church. God come from all over the area here place, so I gotta be part of it. Being a home church, I loved it, didn't have trouble very far. Um, and one of the things one of the speakers said was, Lord, help us to be involved in your ministry. It's not, Lord, not, not bless our ministry, Lord, but bless us to do your ministry. So if I wanna minister to these people over here, God says, Minister to them over there, I want, Lord, you tell me to minister to them over there. And so here they're saying, Show us which of these men you have chosen. And so we should always say, Lord, guide us into what you want us to do. So they cast lots. This is where it gets weird. Lord, guide us into which person it's going to be, and they go, Yahtzee. They cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. Okay. Now, when we selected Greg to be our pastor, I don't remember if we cast lots. Should the church cast lots? Well, casting lots is allowed for in Proverbs 16.33. You may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. Just quote that verse the next time you go to Vegas. (laughs) Now, I want to go back a little bit. They selected two people. They pre-qualified them. They didn't just pull people off the street. Do you believe in Jesus? Who's that? Well, you're okay. We're going to throw a lot for you too. Um, no, they they pre-selected qualified people, so I have to give the disciples credit for that. But um, the lot, casting lots avoids a popularity contest. Now, it avoids selecting people with agenda who strive for power and prestige. Now. When I was asked to be consider being one of the elders, I accepted, but I, I accepted hesitantly because I've been through a bad experience, a couple of bad experiences in the past, where uh, eldership is kind of taken like a, I can't, I'm an elder. I'll tell you a story real quick about an inmate. I, we, don't, we had an elders board at the prison. It was an inmate's idea. And so, um, yes, they were all men, but it was a men's prison, so that was easy. Um, Sorry, I had, the women, they had women elders. Um, the women's prison. But anyway, this, we had this one guy who was on C yard, transfer to A yard. And when he was on C yard, A yard, he played the guitar. He was very worshipful. He was very joyful. He knew, the, he knew the scriptures. The guy was a real joy to be around. And they said, we would like for him to be our head elder. Okay. And, and they said, Pastor, will you anoint him as head elder? Well, the scripture doesn't talk about anointing elders. Position. It says anointing for healing. But like an idiot, I did that. I was a young chaplain. I learned the hard way. And, and he became our Christian shot caller. Shot caller is a term used in prison for the guy who wants to take charge and p- p- boss people around. With well, this Christian shot caller, my volunteers, chaplains come in and preach. He would only give them five minutes to preach. He was, he was telling people what to do, he was bossing them around. And I and I had people complain to me all the time. I try to work with him, he did not listen. He said he'd tell me what I wanted to hear, he'd do what he wanted to do. So I finally what I did was I disbanded the elders' board, and all the other elders came to me and said, Thank you. He was mad. He was mad for a long time until he transferred back to Sea Yard and there he said, Hi, Chef Richie, God bless you. <laughs> His problem was he had a title. And that title became his identity. We don't need elders who are there saying, I'm an elder. No, elders are servants. And I was trying to remember your name. Yeah, Lisa, Lisa, that's right. Lisa's not one of our elders. But when she came in, the little black cloth over the window there was kind of loose. She picked it up and put it back up. And no one else knew, but I saw it, and now I mentioned all of you. Thank you for doing that. See, we want people who are servants, because servants serve. And and you know, uh, John the Baptist said, "I must decrease, while he must increase." And so my job is not to be an elder; my job is to serve. I really do care less about the elder title. I just want to serve. And God will use who he wants to use. And even if he's putting it all black cloth back over the window. Thank you. So you know, Aaron was selected. By the way, the church cast lots. Aaron selected a scapegoat by lot on the Day of Atonement. So one got to become the sacrifice. The one got to be let go. Jonah was selected by sailor as the one who caused the storm. Now, do you think God was involved in that? Well, yeah, he was worried from God. And they used the lot to determine that he's the one that caused the storm. And he got to go to Nineveh after he got thrown over, over and swallowed by a big fish. Zechariah in Luke 1 was selected by lot to offer incense in the temple. Now, the, God sent an angel to talk to Zechariah say, you're going to have a son. and His name's going to be John the Baptist. He goes, I don't think so. And then he goes, okay, you're going to be mute for the next nine months or whatever. And, um, but that was selected by lot. Amish people today select your pastor by lot. They'll, they'll take nominations. If you have two or three people nominate you, you're in the, your name's in the, in the basket, and they'll pull by lot. Hey, Joe, Brother Joe, you're the pastor now. I am? <laughs> I guess the better start reading the Bible a little bit more. <laughs> in November 2012, the Coptic Orthodox Church in Egypt chose their pope by drawing lots. And uh, by the way, it's not a, a church, but a federal judge in Florida in 2006 settled litigation with rock, paper, paper, rock, paper scissors. It's like this, this case is going on too long, just somebody make a decision. <laughs> so, anyway, lots, and sometimes lots may be a better solution than what we do now, because so often I see people who strive uh, for power and position, or we pick the guy who's the funniest, or whatever the case is and it may be better to let God pick. The Holy Spirit, but should the church cast lots? In Acts 13, 2, this is after Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. They didn't draw lots. God said, send them. Now, they were already in the ministry, they were already in service, they were, the people already knew what they were doing, but the Lord said, send them. And there's specific biblical qualification for elders and deacons. Now, for picking the, the one apostle, he had to be someone who, was, who saw Jesus baptized, who saw Jesus crucified, saw Jesus ascended. He had to see all that. That was a qualification to replace Judas. But today, elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control. He must enjoy having guests at his home. He must be able to teach. He must not, have a he- he must not be a heavy drinker. I'm not sure if he's a skinny drinker, but you know, not a heavy drinker. Um, <laughs> he must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. See, we have all these qualifications, but still goes back to the principle that they picked for the replacement for Judas, someone who knows Jesus. Well, I have not walked with Jesus physically, I can say I know Jesus because Jesus has touched my heart. Jesus is, his Holy Spirit has come within me. I know with you, the Holy Spirit has come within you. Hopefully. Disciples are told, so here's the question, was Matthias really God's choice? We know nothing about Matthias because disciples are told to wait. Matthias, we never hear about him again. They selected Matthias and that's the last we hear about the guy. Paul was very prominent. He referred himself as an apostle. Most, but you know what? In defense of their choosing Matthias, we say he was never heard from again. There's eight other disciples who we never hear from again after that list in the upper room. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was listed there in that list. That's the last we hear about Mary, the mother of Jesus. So, just because he's not heard from again, does not mean that they're not important. You know one of the people in the Old Testament that really, really, really inspires me? I I can list a lot of people. I can talk about Moses. I can talk about David. I can talk about Elijah, Elisha. But there's a slave girl who we don't know her name. She was a Jewish slave girl up in Syria. And she talks to her Mr. Her, the lady who owns her who happens to be the wife of Naaman the Syrian commander and, she, and he's got leprosy and she says oh I wish he'd go see the prophet in Israel that's all she said the wife runs off tells him he goes see the king the king goes what are you doing you know, I'm not I can't, I'm not God and so he refers him over to Elijah which is where he's supposed to go in the first place but if it all happened because the little girl who was a slave girl we don't know her name says oh I wish very important, very significant. We don't need a title. We just need to be servants of God, to have a heart of God, to share with people as God wants us to share. God is sovereign. He chose Matthias. Church history, according to Matthias, died as the martyr of Christ. There's different stories. There are two different stories that he went somewhere He got... We don't know if the stories are true or not, but church history does show that he he was martyred. Um, Paul was more prominent than Matthias. He's also more prominent than most of the other apostles. Paul was not at the baptism, crucifixion, or ascension of Jesus. In fact, he came about 15, 20 years after they selected Messiah. So do we want that position vacant for 15, 20 years? No. They, that position was to be filled. But also in Revelation twenty one fourteen, it says that there will be uh, 12 foundations in the New Jerusalem and the name of the apostles will be written the name of the apostles will be written on each of the foundations whose name is going to be in there is it going to be Matthias or uh, uh, Paul thanks i started starting to think Peter it's both RP. p you know we'll, we'll wait till we get there does it really matter no they're both serving the Lord so getting back to how to, to a, make decision. Now how many of you here today have have ever had to make a decision? How many have been big decisions that you really struggled with? How many are you still going to have, how many, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, how many are going through a big decision right now? I see some hands anyway, I see the hand, I see the hand. a number of years ago, I've got two quick stories, but when I was moving out to take the job in Calipatria, I had a side business, I, I had a business, I was self-employed, and back, back in the day before internet, so I'm really dating myself, that's when I had black hair, um, and I had to run a yellow page ad, and the yellow page ad was annual, and I'm going to be paying like $200 a month to get a good ad on the yellow pages, yellow pages, in case you don't know, that was the old time internet. <laughs> that's how you found out who was doing what. And, and, and so I was being asked if I would consider the job at, Cal, at Calipatria. And I was going, yay, but they're taking their time. And I had to give a contract as a, a non-accountable contract. Do I want to pay $2,400 to the cell phone company to put an ad in for when I'm going to be living two and a half hours away? And I struggled, and I struggled, and I had to make a decision because whatever I did was going to affect me one way or the other. Well, I prayed with that, made a decision, and the Lord worked it out. We moved up here. We, our house almost fell through. Not our house, but the people buying our house down there. Our house contingent up here, and it, we had to make some decisions. It was, it was like, what do we do? Do we let it fall out? Do we do try maneuver to, to save the deal? But I know a lot of times people going to school, they got to decide what career to pick. The, if you're single, you're you're deciding what to do about a, a, a spouse. And this person is really sweet and kind, but somehow I'm not sure if. If that they're really the one, if I say yes, I'm going to be stuck with the person for life and he turns out to be a real idiot, you know, that kind of stuff. You gotta. <laughs> we have decisions. We don't know everything. There are people who, political candidate people I have voted for that I look back on and say, I wish I never voted for that person. There's people I've seen in ministry that I thought were great, and later on I go, I wish that person never got in that position. We don't know the future. And so we need to really be able to trust God. And if we stir about, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Do you know not making a decision is a decision? We have to make a decision, but we need to trust God. So pray. Recognize the problem. we got a problem here. Identify the problem. Search the scriptures. What's the scripture say? Um, If you're going through... uh, a hard time with your spouse, and, and so-and-so over here is really sweet and kind to me, and I feel more happy with this person than with my own spouse. What's the scripture say? You don't go with the person you're going to have affair with. You stay working out with your spouse. What's the scripture say? Don't go with just your emotions. Choose the options. Pray and trust God. And we have to learn to really trust God. So, there's one other decision I'd like to run by you right now. You hear in so many different sermons all the time. It's that decision time. But whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, or if you are a Christian, or how close are you walking with God, or you kind of uh, uh, live in the world, or you live in Christ. You, is, is church the only time you get the Bible, or do you get the Bible during the week? Decision is, what we need to do is say, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to let God... I want to Christ rule my heart, rule my life. I'm going to give my whole life over to Jesus. That's a decision that we all need to do daily. So whether it's your if you if it's your initial time, say I'm going to accept the Lord for the first time, or I accepted the Lord forty years ago, but I need to recommit my life to Christ, I commit to commit my life to Christ daily. So I just encourage you to do that. Let's go. to Lord. Is there Pastor Greg? Okay, let's go to Lord and Word of Prayer. Hey, Father, you are so awesome, and we just really want to thank you and praise you, God, for who you are. And we thank you, Lord, that these these disciples followed you, and made the decision to allow you to work through them and pick Matthias. And whatever decisions, Lord, that we need to go through in our lives, I pray you'll help us keep our eyes focused on you. Help us keep praying with you, Lord, and look at the options and to decide and just trust you with the decision. We give you our lives, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.